Welcome to the Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning independent pharmacy. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Delisio, North American Sales Director, and Sebastian Dennison, Clinical Compounding Pharmacist. Welcome, Compounding World, and welcome to the latest episode of A Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. This is Mike Delisio, as always. Unfortunately, I am not joined with Sebastian Dennison today, but I got a special guest host. Ethan Shinogle, our director of marketing, has finally joined us. Ethan? Hey, it's been, you know, how many episodes have we done? Like 80, We're close 82, to 80, yeah. yeah. And I've managed to avoid it so far. So uh, you, you finally brought me in. You, you got me at the right time here. Got mark- so with marketing, or excuse me, with our marketing and sales symposium going on, I think it was about the time for me to kind of jump on in. It's the perfect time to bring you in, not only because we are in the midst of hosting our live marketing and sales symposium, we are also joined today by none other than Tim Hines. Tim, welcome to the Mortar and Pestle podcast. It's great to have you here. Guys, it's awesome to be here. Thanks for the off-the-cuff invite to come here. I just literally got off the stage at the symposium, and you guys were like, come record with me. And I was like, let's do it. So Absolutely. here I am. So I'm excited to be here with you guys. Uh, thanks so much. We're super excited to have you. Actually, Ethan and myself had the pleasure of hearing you speak at a marketing conference here in the Houston area in January. We we loved your pr- presentation. We loved your content. We just figured that you would be the, the proper natural fit to be a keynote speaker here live for pharmacists, technicians, individuals that have the responsibility of carrying sales and marketing tactical projects for the compounding pharmacies that we serve. Um, Ironically enough, I thought that would be the best opportunity to bring in Ethan as well. So some of our most popular episodes are relating to marketing, Hmm. both from a digital point of view, from human to human contact, which I know this is something that you also had the opportunity to discuss with the group that's here live. But most importantly, you also host your own podcast called The Marketing Starter. You are now also the author of a new book that's about to come out called The Marketing Starter as well, focusing on how to make entrepreneurial spirit that will make you a more savvy marketer. So we're going to we're gonna talk more about what that really means and you know, also hit on some of the key points that you got a chance to bring to our amazing audience. But before we get into that, let's talk a bit more about you. Um, this is this sounds impressive to me. Like I said, I've had a chance to hear you speak and we're just really appreciative of the fact that you've taken the time out of your schedule to basically broadcast to the masses. So, so who's Tim Hines, where are you from? And, and what has led you to the journey to where you are today? Yeah, well, again, thanks so much for having me. As far as a backgrounder, um, boy, without reading my bio, <laughs> which I've written myself and then I hear people at uh, introduce me at speaking engagements read and I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's getting old. Uh, but no, I'm, a, I'm kind of an old school marketer turned uh, thought leader uh, throughout, my, throughout my days of marketing. I mean, I've, I've almost been doing marketing now for 20 years. I got my start um, actually working for the Tribune Media Group in Chicago, where I'm from originally, so I'm a Chicago guy, and I've moved all over the place, live in Texas now, but got my start there working for the newspaper, <laughs> believe it or not, supporting uh, what, is, what was called the advertising sales department, so they you know, would sell ads in the newspaper, so my job was to help make that look good, help look at survey data. Basically, it was kind of like a product marketing role, if you would call it that, but for you know av- advertising sales. And so that was kind of my first start, my first four-way into the uh, marketing world. Um, and 
shortly after being there, I actually got laid off for the first time in my career, which was a total heartbreaker. But you could almost see the writing on the wall when it when it came to traditional media. And so then I went out and started doing some startup-y kind of stuff. I, I launched this uh, this travel app in the business travel space, and that got me into business travel. Um, and also started working on some other uh, startup projects and consulting with startups on their marketing and got really kind of plugged into the Chicago startup scene, which is growing rapidly at the time. And that is kind of where I maybe had my first forte into what is starter marketing, which is like helping helping uh, entrepreneurs get their marketing off the ground. Because I had a really big passion for entrepreneurship. I have a really big passion for marketing. So merging those two things together is kind of what has become my brand moniker and also the name of the book and the podcast, The Marketing Starter. And so what those things are really actually all about are how you can apply an entrepreneurial mindset or way of thinking to what you do in marketing to be successful. And that's really what I believe in at the end of the day. And so my story kind of goes from goes from working in traditional media, getting laid off from that. I ended up moving to California, to the Bay Area, California, to actually get my first job in tech. I was like, I'm going to chase that tech dream and uh, got a job working for a ticketing software company out there. And I was initially interviewing for a product marketing role out there. And the CMO at the time was like, hey, I think you'd be great for this product marketing role. But since you're so entrepreneurial and you're so good at kind of like hacking things together and kind of running thing, running your ship yourself... We have this opening that I'm trying to create that I think you'd be really great for. And that was coming in to manage all of their consumer-facing channels. They were acquiring all of these different uh, like smaller ticketing companies that had like ticketing websites and mobile apps and things like that. And he's like, I need someone to manage that and to market that. I was like, that sounds fun. That sounds more fun than just doing the product marketing for the, the traditional SaaS product. So that was really my first like starter marketing role. And so then after that... I really started kind of looking for roles as I was working for people, uh, for companies um, employed. Started looking for roles like that that were looking that were interested in having with someone with that type of mindset that was really coming in to pioneer something new in marketing. And so that was really what kind of drove this story of writing this book. And then the book idea kind of led to the podcast, which is where I wanted to interview other marketers who kind of had a similar vein where they really put that entrepreneurship hat on or wore those entrepreneurship glasses uh, and what they did in their marketing. So whether they were running their own company, if that was like maybe an agency or a consultant or whatever, or they worked for an organization but still had to like be scrappy and think about how to do stuff by themselves. I think the biggest thing that a marketing starter uh, has to overcome is the lack of resources that they might have or the lack of knowledge that they might have coming into a role. Like they need to have that adaptability, the ability to think on their feet, be creative, and just figure it out. The aforementioned CMO at that ticketing company I worked for, he said, you're not going to have any budget. You're not going to have any resource. You're literally going to have to build this with duct tape and chicken wire. And he would always say that to me. And I'm like, cool, sounds good. So you have to like go, you know, really think outside of your little sphere and how to bring people in within the company to champion you and help you with things. So it was really like building a business within a business. And so marketers who build businesses within businesses, that's what this book is about. And it's about helping people to kind of unlock that in themselves to be more successful in their careers. And so I was thankful to come uh, to the conference today and share some of those tips and tricks with you guys uh, and and also your your lovely audience that was that was in the room. So, you know, you, you hit on a lot of really key points. I think a lot of the things that resonated with us, obviously having us ask you to present today to be one of our keynote speakers at our sales and marketing symposium, 
is really putting yourself in the shoes of some of the individuals that have the responsibility of you know building a marketing plan, but also developing a tactical sales plan and the individuals that serve compounding pharmacies. So the independent community pharmacy at heart, you know, a lot of the owners that are out there, members of PCCA, rely on the content, the resources, the information that we also provide to the scrappy marketers and say, hey, you got to go do this with chicken wire and duct tape. You got to <laughs> figure this out. So they also have limited resources. And it's not creating a stereotype. It's part of the reality that we live in. A lot of this you know, entrepreneurial spirit is in a development phase. It's always in like trying to evolve, trying to catch up to what others are doing. So, you know, you hit on some really key points. And I think a lot of the experience that you had is very similar to those that have the responsibility of being a sales and marketing individual in our field. With all that being said, a month and a half ago, as we met you and you met us, you had probably very limited knowledge of personalized medication and compounding medication. Um, as you are developing your knowledge, learning more about PCCA, I know you live just in the Austin area, so the, you had the opportunity to visit uh, an amazing member of ours um, in the Austin area. So what has been your key takeaways about what we do and how to get the word out? Well, I think what's interesting and and what you said was accurate, like I didn't know much about compounding outside of one compounding medication that I've had in my entire lifetime. When I was living in California, uh, they had sent it into the compounder to get it made. Uh, and so that was the, my limited knowledge of it. But what I think is interesting about what you guys do is that your your business is built around personalizing medications or personalizing a product for human beings, right? So without personalization, you wouldn't be able to do what you do. That's exactly why you exist because it's not one size fits all in medication. And it should also not be one size fits all in your marketing. And I always think when... I was thinking of this example when I'm thinking of what, what people do in, in your arena. Would you market your compounding services if you were if you were one of these independent compounders? Would you market and use the same language to a human doctor as you would to a veterinarian? Maybe, maybe not, but I bet you the story there is a little different, right? The needs are different, the language might be different. Yes, maybe this uh, human uh, medication in this form might work for the for a pet or whatever. Like, obviously, when you're marketing to those two different groups of people, you have the same service at its core. You're the same person. You're the same business. But those are two very different audiences, and so you have to think about how you personalize your message, just like you would with the medication. You have to think about how you're personalizing your message and the way that you market to those individuals because their story and the way that they operate and the way that they feel are gonna be vastly different, just like yours is different than mine and vice versa, right? So I think it's just taking a step back to really learn who our customer is, dive into their situation, have that empathy. I think that's what's gonna help uh, help these these compounders win in this, in this marketplace. So I wanna jump in here, uh, Tim, because one of the portions of your presentation really focused on this idea of human-to-human -human marketing. Right. And you, you've already jumped into that here. Um, and I think as we as we think of pharmacy, and we, we have distinctly different audiences, we have a practitioner audience, and you've already subdivided that into vet, and then 
human. And then you start to break that into specialties and they all need different things. Um, and then the other side of it is we have patients and we want to be the community pharmacy that serves those individual patients. So at a tactical level, what are some ways that we can start to humanize our organizations? It's something we've talked about a lot, especially uh, for social media. Don't just post up content, but let's let's humanize our pharmacy. Let's humanize um, the things that we do because it's a real incredible story to say, this pharmacist made a medication specifically for you. So talk to us how tactically um, you would go about telling that story of the pharmacy and and some of the things that, that maybe that, that they could utilize to be able to get that out and make that connection both on a personal level and also on a local level. Yeah, well... You know, I think again, it comes back to it comes back to having a great avenue of communication and opening that up in a variety of different ways and figuring out what communication pathway is going to be best between you and that customer. Um, and when we talk about customer, like you said, there's you know you have a bunch of different segments, and they might vary between each. And certainly, me as a consumer, me as a patient, you know, I might be very interested in what's happening on social media, and that might be a great way to connect with me and having uh, some sort of advertising or messaging or content or whatever that's being pushed out that way might be good as gold. As a, a prescriber or a doctor, maybe I don't spend my time there. So it's you have to really be careful and take a look at your market, your buyer, your decision maker, your influencer, which I know there's that's a big part of this business too, right? You got to go in talk to the nurses, talk to the office staff. They're sometimes going to influence the doctor as well as to making that decision. Where do those influencers live? And then how can you start a dialogue with them and meet them where they are? And so I think that's a big part of this is that sometimes we'll look at something like our, our Facebook page or we'll look at our at LinkedIn and be like, oh my gosh, all of these all of these subscribers, all these doctors are on here. This is like a gold mine. Let's just start messaging them. And you just start throwing stuff at the wall because it, it looks shiny and new and it's, it's cool and you try to see what sticks. But you might oversell them. You might annoy them to death or bore them to death as I actually talked about in my presentation because you're talking about you and like what you can do for them. But it's more of coming to them with a consultative approach in your messaging and saying like, hey, what can I do for you? And let me, let me really drive home the value of what compounding does, what our personalization does uh, at the end of the day and why this is great for you as a patient. Your message might be like, you know, these medications are not one size fits all. We're so much more than, than, than pill counters. It's important for you to have a medication size right, made right in, in, in this formula, in, in this, uh, this medium. Maybe it's cream versus a pill or a liquid. Or I actually like the, the pet example uh, when, I was at, when I was at People's in Austin and I was hanging out with Jenny. She's like, yeah, here's our pet area. And here, uh, this, uh, this tech is uh, adding beef flavor and this one's doing chicken flavor and this one's doing that. I'm like, oh, that's so funny because my dogs, like their medication's different too. Like I have um, like a heart guard. I toss it to one dog and he scarfs it right down, toss it to the other dog and he, bleh, he spits it out. And I'm like, oh, so he, like, he hates that one. So I feel like put peanut butter all over it. Right. <laughs> so if I would have known, I could have said, like, hey, that flavor doesn't work with him. I need this one. So, again, it's having that communication and it's like understanding what is going to be what is going to resonate with them and really going with the value proposition for each of those groups. And that's just kind of defining defining who your ideal customer profile is. And there's not always just one. There's multiple. And then there's influencers. 
And then they also change over time too. So I think having that written down in a discovery document that you can go back to, you know, when you're doing your marketing and then taking careful notes at that to see how it evolves over time and how it changes. And I'm sure, you know, your, your industry changes so much with new drugs and everything that's coming out and regulations and all this stuff. So it's changing so fast. So it's something that needs to be a living, breathing document that you can go back to, but it's always going back to that value prop. Absolutely. Just as a, someone who's focused on the entrepreneurial world, just pulling yourself up and, and, and doing it scrappy, like you say, um, when I'm interviewing marketers and, and I'm, I'm meeting with marketers, uh, we talk about a T marketer. And, mm-hmm. and for those that are, okay, you, could, you know what a T marketer is, but just for those listening, um, across the top, if you think of a capitalized T across the top, you've got uh, a little bit of knowledge in a lot of areas and you go deep in some spaces. It may be copywriting, it might be graphic design, it may be social, email, um, and then you start to broaden out from that single spot. What are some of your favorite resources that when you're, when you're trying to get yourself, um, I guess to the point that, that you feel a lot more comfortable just doing it all from that, that kind of singular spectrum to, to more of a broad, all-encompassing marketer? Uh, what are some of your favorite resources to recommend? So the T-shaped marketer, I actually think is the ideal shape for a marketing starter. I myself am pretty T-shaped. I would maybe say it's like more of a fat T. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it kind of goes broad and I got like deep in quite a, quite a few things. And maybe like I have like one area of specialty that maybe goes a little bit deeper on like the messaging and branding mm-hmm. and, and stuff. Like that's kind of like my forte, some stuff that I really like. Um, but that being said, the the scrappiness that needs to come in play with being a generalist and a lot of these people that I'm sure listen to the show are just because you have limited resources you kind of have to do it all. You have to wear all the hats. I'm sure some of these people are the salesperson and the marketing person, right? And what's interesting about that is most of my time that I've spent, I mean, I've never, I mean, I guess I've done a little bit of sales, but in most of my career, it's been mostly focusing on building a partnership with the sales team. And when you're doing, when you're wearing both of those hats, you have, they, they blend together like in your mind and it's almost, it almost becomes one. So as far as like resources being tactical, I mean, one of the things that I do is I just try to read as much as possible um, what other marketers and what other great companies are doing within the space. So one thing that I do, especially when I'm coming into a new company or I'm researching one, maybe a a client of mine when I'm doing consulting, is to say, okay, what business are you in? Okay, who are your top five competitors? I wanna know who they are. And then I go and I follow them on all their social media. I look up articles about them. I read their websites and their content to try to get a good grasp of how they're positioning themselves in the marketplace and what ultimately sets them different. You know, there might be, they might be doing the exact same thing, but the way they speak about it just resonates so much more. Going back to that value prop thing that we're talking about a minute ago, maybe they're just hitting that right on the head, right? And they're doing that so much better. And that's why they're growing like crazy. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, a shoe is a shoe is a shoe. It, it, does, it serves a purpose of keeping my foot protected. Sure, there are little nuances to it at the end of the day, but you know, is, is Nike actually better than Reebok that's actually better than Adidas? You might think so because maybe you have like some sort of brand allegiance, but really at the end of the day, they're just making shoes. Like Those companies are no more special than the other one, right? Um, so what they're doing a good job of is communicating that value, communicating their, their why. So reading, really understanding what competitors are doing and constantly keeping a pulse on that, I think is super important. Um, another great thing that I like to look at too is just where I can get engaged with the customer and really trying to listen and hear customer stories. So whether I need to like actually sit down and, and pick up the phone and, and, 
and survey and, and take notes and talk to customers directly. Maybe I'm sending out a survey and people are filling it out with some, some questions about how they're re receptive to our marketing or our messaging or what's happening in the market or what they you know ideally would need from our company. Um, or I'm also reading on like customer blogs or engaging in forums, things like that. And all of that can be done very easily in the digital age that we live in today. So I think those are you know two really great things that a generalist can really dig into. And it's reading and it's engagement. And once you really have, once you really have the, the customer megaphone attached to your ear, you're going to be so much more enlightened on what then you can do tactically as like kind of like a next step mm -hmm. to start marketing to them. So we broaden our skills. Now let's, we got to meet the, the ground here. The, the rubber's got to meet the road. Mm -hmm. And thinking about tools, you know, you, you look at these big organizations, they have massive marketing tech stacks um, with lots of software and it just isn't attainable for these scrappy entrepreneurs. Uh, entrepreneurs. So what are some of the tools that you often recommend to your clients as they're getting started that, that encompass a lot of these things of shifting from the, the non-digital to the digital now to the, to the human aspect? Yeah, I mean, anything that can help you get organized, number one, you know, if you're using Monday, if you're using ClickUp, if you're using Asana, anything you can do to like manage your marketing as if it was a project, right? So you can get organized. I personally use Asana, I love that. Um, we know. use ClickUp right here, Boom. so you mentioned right there. There you go, yeah. So a tool like that that's gonna help you get organized where, because, because of this entrepreneurial type of scrappiness that you have, you're gonna be so reliant on other people in the company. So getting them on it too, like get, rolling it out to your whole company and then creating a marketing, a marketing uh, section in there and then assigning tasks to people, um, you know, whether that's someone, someone at the company is like an admin, but maybe they have some graphic design chops and you need them to give you a new version of the logo to use on a banner or something, assign that to them and, and be able to hold people accountable. So getting organized with a tool like that, I think is important. Then as far as like building out marketing campaigns that then enable you to be human, you know, I think you can start small. I know you guys use Marketo here. I right. would never recommend that. Absolutely probably. not. Yeah. <laughs> so and we we've had it and it's been a it's been a solid platform for us, but um, sure. obviously it's it's massive. And this right. is not that it's not the, the target market yeah. here. And so when we're talking about Martech, and Martech yeah. is a whole other subject. Absolutely. I actually uh, interviewed Scott Brinker, who mm -hmm. is the um, who's the lead of the uh, marketing ecosystem over at HubSpot. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I yeah. interviewed him on my on my podcast and we talked a little bit about MarTech and like what's happening and like there's MarTech conferences and oh my gosh, you can get overwhelmed by tech stack. So I would say don't get overwhelmed, start small. And actually to plug them, HubSpot is a great spot to start small because it's an all-in-one kind of platform right. that you can take bite-sized chunks out of for what you need. Like you need a basic CRM, you need, you need to be able to send email and you need to be able to personalize it, right? right? To be more human, things like that. And you can roll all that out for super cheap and it, it's gonna increase by the number of contacts that you have. Luckily, most of your listeners are operating in, in local spheres. So, you know, what, there's maybe gonna be a, a thousand doctors in, right. in your town. Yep. So you're never gonna be at like that 50,000 contact mark where it's gonna cost you a fortune to have a tool like that, but it's gonna be so helpful to you. So HubSpot is a great one yep. I think I recommend to smaller businesses, you know, always market go to Salesforce and Marketo and like yeah, you don't it's, it's too like, big it's too much it's too, it, it, it 
for a smaller business, I don't think you need it. I think you need something simple. HubSpot's yep. great for that. But so for automation and for customer relationship management, I think that, and then also getting organized with a with a tool like ClickUp or Asana. That's great. And and I know that HubSpot it scales so well. It does from from, from small to, to big and having that integrated CRM and and you can subdivide your practitioners and you can subdivide your patients yep. in, in there very easily. Yeah. Um, Constant contact has gotten better than it used to be. I mean, if you're just really kind of getting your feet under you, um, that's another one that's that's. Um, uh, I mean, it used to be upload your, your Excel list and you had it kind of deal. <laughs> sure. It's come around quite a bit. And, and I know that some pharmacies use that as well. So, you know, I think that was a great summary. You, you mentioned MarTech and I don't think we've ever had a chance to talk about this within, within the podcast. So, you know, a lot of great best practices, tools that are available to the audience. And I think for the most part, if any member does have a specific request or wants to learn more, definitely reconnect with us and we can expand on some of these things that you mentioned because for the, for the most part, if you're driving your car right now or you're listening to this while you're compounding, it probably went right over your head and you might have to rewind and hear some of the things that you know Tim and Ethan spoke about, but some really great information and things that we often discuss in our sales and marketing symposium is some of the resources and tools and, and just technologies that exist to help either keep you organized and to really focus on the digital world. And that kind of brings up my next subject. So Tim, you asked a really cool question the first time I heard you speak and you asked it again today. And I'll let you probably rephrase it because I don't want to botch it, but what is post-digital? Um, my mind went to a completely different direction. I was thinking of like metaverse and but I'm like, well, hold on. That technically would be digital. It's more digital. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm like, that's, that's living in a digital world, <laughs> literally. Um, but, you know, talk about that concept because I know we're talking about marketing technology and the tools and platforms that exist out there, but kind of go through that and, and let an individual kind of think about what that means to them. Absolutely. And this is something that I think is, it's just really cool because you're talking about kind of like the future and the transition of marketing and kind of where we're at. But really what post-digital is at its core, it is the humanistic approach to marketing. So when we're talking about being more human and trying to supplement what we're maybe traditionally relying on digital to do with more human tactics, that's being post-digital. So it's kind of like an evolutionary type of thought as we're kind of moving through like the way that we've done marketing. And so uh, in, in, the, in the presentation that I gave that you were talking about, I actually had the slide where I, I said, hey, there's been a digital evolution. So number one, it was pre-digital. It was where I actually used to be, right? It was newspaper. It was one-way communication, segmentation. You were just like, okay, well, this is a men's magazine. This is a women's magazine. We'll reach, we'll reach men and women with this ad, and hopefully it works. And then the way that we get... Uh, understanding of how it worked is maybe by having a, a focus group later and being like, did you remember seeing this ad? What did you think? How did it make you feel? And like, it was always after the fact. Then we moved into digital, which is kind of where we're at today, where it's you know relying on advertising and our campaign metrics, our clicks and engagement and things like that, which is, which is great. And it started to kind of open up more of a conversation. But what has happened in digital is that we've become so reliant on it. And I know some of your some of your listeners may not even be that into digital today, which is actually great. So don't worry, listener, you're actually in good shape, and I'll explain why in a minute. But if some of you have been solely reliant on like what's our social media presence, let's let's run a bunch of ads, it's not working anymore. Like at first it worked, and it, I always aching it to when the freeways 
were built in the Eisenhower era, and then the first billboards were being put up along the freeway, and you're driving along the freeway, and you see an ad for a lawyer, and you're reading it, and you're like, oh my gosh, and then you see one for a fast food restaurant, like, this is so cool, they literally have these right along the road. None of us look at that stuff anymore, right? It's numb, we're numb to that. We just fly by, we just wanna to get to our destination, we're listening to your podcast, and like looking at the road, as opposed to looking up at these billboards, and digital has now become that next billboard. It's now suffering that. It's like going the way of the digital dinosaur, right? It's it's still present. It's it's in our it's on our phones. It's reaching us wherever we are. We're getting retargeted and all of these things, but it's not having the impact that it once did. And there was actually a, a Salesforce study that I quoted in the presentation. It said that um, over eighty percent of consumers are saying like, "Hey, this is having to little to no impact on my how it influences my buying decisions." So, whoa, like 80, over 80%, like that's crazy. And I'm sure you guys feel the same way. Sometimes I see something, I'm like, that's kind of neat, but it's not like necessarily reinforcing it. And so the way that we need to reinforce it today is moving into now what is the, the post-digital part of that. And that's how do we build engagement with our audience, with our consumer, with our customer, with our brand everywhere. So whether that's a billboard or digital or in person or whatever, but it's, it's all about creating an experience that is then driving engagement, building trust, and then kind of going back to the basics. And this is where I was like, hey, if you're not really hip to digital, you're in good shape because you're already kind of going back to the basics. You're already doing human things by showing up to the office with a unique lunch. You're already coming in there and really coming in with a consultative messaging approach. You're already doing some of these things like building a community or whatever that are more human already. So you're already in good shape to kind of move into this digital evolution. You know, putting myself in the shoes of a patient or a consumer, I've been in this market for 20 years, and biggest takeaway for me is if you look up compounding pharmacies on Google and you just start scrolling through the digital noise, and I'll call it digital noise because it's kind of what it feels like, most websites look the same, they have the same message, they talk about the same things. We compound for veterinary, pain management, hormone replacement therapy, dermatology. The list goes on and on. Everyone has the exact same statement. So I always think of what is it going to take for someone to stand apart beyond the noise? But not only that, I think the pharmacies that do it extremely well and that have a presence with their physicians and their patients mm -hmm. are the ones that have built the strongest human connections and that are very in tune with what their brand is trying to deliver, the service, the product that they're trying to also accommodate, and most importantly is really, you know, what is the best desirable outcome? And they're so heavily focused on it that it's not just, I'm gonna drop this amazing flyer and drop this off at a doctor's office. It's probably gonna go in the trash. Mm -hmm. It's akin to having a website saying that you do everything, and that's probably not gonna do much nowadays. So I think for me, it resonated so much. You're, hearing it twice now resonated with me and it's probably a big reason why we wanted to have you on the podcast was reinforcing the importance of the customer experience the brand image the what the deliverables are trying to be and your value proposition but i just wanted to add that because i think yeah. that's what what truly hits home and i think would probably hit home for one of our listeners whether you're an owner whether you're a pic whether you have the responsibility of sales and marketing you know that's really the, the takeaway from what you just shared. And I think to add to that, because I, I did, Mike, you're, you're right on point. We do see that listing of we can do this and we can do that and we can do that. 
but as compounders, you have such a unique tool. You, you don't, you're not bound by this medication that, that Big Pharma is putting out. You're not bound to a particular dosage form. You get to ask the question, what do you need or how can we get to the outcome that, that you need? And then we customize the product to that solution. I mean, talk about being the ultimate human to human opportunity exactly. as a marketer. And so that's the angle that I think that, that we need to really start pushing into is it's not that we, we can do everything because we can, we need to start with what do you need? Mm -hmm. And coming at that, com coming at it from the point of we're not the heroes of our own story. You're the hero, you're the hero. of all the stories. Yeah, and that's that conversational type of marketing that you need to have. And you're not going to understand what they need, so that you can build something without asking the question. And so I think one of the big aspects of moving into a post digital type of marketing and type of world is to not be a selfish marketer. And that means don't talk about yourself. Because when you're talking about yourself, it may be amazing. You might be the, the greatest compounding lab in your city and, and you have the, the best products that all come from PCCA, but you might have the <laughs> best, pro <laughs> shameless plug, you might have the best products and the best service and you might be the, the best people and we're, we, 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 we. No, 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 no. You got to stop with that. You need to go, Hey, it's about you. You're the champion. What do you need? Okay, cool. We can make our product, our service fit around what you need. And when you do that, people go, oh, wow, that's cool. And that's one of the points that I made too is about delighting your customer and rolling out the red carpet for them. Absolutely. And that works for both the patient and the practitioner. You solve that practitioner's biggest patient problem that has been going on and on. Mm -hmm. And you come up with a solution for that. You've got a prescriber there locked in with you. So... And I was going to say, like, as a, as a patient, it's like, oh, man, I've gone back to see this doctor five different times, and we still haven't figured this out. And he keeps, he or she keeps giving me, you know, this, or let's try that, or let's try this. And maybe the service that you guys provide in the, in the compound exists, but they just don't know it, so they need to be educated on that. And they go, hey, we found something. And then you go, oh, my gosh, this is great. Now I don't have to take time out of my day to go back to see you. We figured out a dosage that's working for right. me. How great. So if... The patient's happy, then the doctor's happy, and then we're all we're all happy because you solve the problem through to their end customer. Absolutely. So Tim, as we wrap up, I'm holding your an advanced copy of your book here, <laughs> uh, The Marketing Starter: How an Entrepreneurial Spirit Will Make You a More Savvy Marketer. Tell us about the book. Yeah, well, I was alluding to it a little bit in the intro, but the book shares a little bit of my personal story of how I've had these starter marketing roles where I've kind of had to be this this hacker, this entrepreneur within marketing orgs that I've worked for and also with startups that I've worked on myself and some clients I've worked for doing consulting as well. So it talks about some of those stories. And then what I do is I, I pull out some interesting different anecdotes from there and tactics. It's a very tactical book actually of how you can apply some of these um, these hacking techniques, these scrappy techniques to what you do in marketing to be more successful and, and more savvy. So I was going through, you know, kind of my, my story as a marketer going, this is kind of interesting how I've made my career working for companies that need kind of like a marketing pioneer to come in and shake stuff up. So let me share that and see if there's other marketers out there who have shared, shared in that. And I've interviewed some people that, um, 
some colleagues and some friends of mine that have shared in that and included that in the book as well. So it's all about just how you can take that entrepreneurial mindset and then be better about what you do as a marketer. So how can our folks that are listening get a hold of your book? Yeah, so it hits the shelves on March 29th. So pending when this airs, either before or after, it might already be out. Uh, but check it out on Amazon, um, and you can get a printed copy, and you can also get it on Kindle. Okay, so if, if our listeners want to connect with you, um, whether it be to, to for support or just to follow you and the things that you're putting out in your podcast, how can they connect with you? Yeah, I mean, the best way uh, to connect with me is to go to my site at tnhines.com. Everything's there for my consulting, the book, pod, my podcast, everything's there. Um, and you can also hit me up on LinkedIn, which is just linkedin.com slash in slash TN Hines. And I'm at TN Hines, T-N-H-I-N-E-S, literally on every social media platform. I grabbed that really quick. So I got my brand solid. So you can find me there. Awesome to keep your handle emulated across every single platform. <laughs> brand consistency. There you go. You know what? I am Knowing that you have your podcast as well, and you know, for those that are tuning into this episode that subscribe, follow along with us, it's obviously the perfect audience to also tap into because I, I think for those that have any interest of learning kind of where to start and how to figure this journey out, it's, it's the best place to go. And I, I definitely encourage our listeners to tune into your podcast, which is, I'm assuming, on multiple platforms as well. Yeah, it's on all the platforms and um, you can find it and tune in and there's some, there's some really interesting conversations. It's, it's, it's not super long form. It's like you know 30 minutes but I've interviewed some CMOs at some big companies and some scrappy marketers working on their own little agency. So it kind of runs the gamut. Pretty cool. So as Ethan mentioned, try to grab the book on Amazon. It will be live on March 29th. Um, and last but not least, will it ever be on Audible? Yeah. Well, if you're not already tired of hearing my voice <laughs> from this podcast and mine, uh, I do plan on uh, recording it. And I was talking to a, a book mentor of mine. He's like, no, you got to do your own voice because that's your voice. Oh, that's you your totally brand. have to do it. And I was thinking about hiring someone to do it. He's like, no, 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 you got to do yours. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. It sounds daunting. So I'll have to get my studio set up so uh, I can do it. I highly recommend it. And for those that have had the pleasure of watching you live, you're also pretty funny too. So I know <laughs> we, you and I talked about that. You have a kind of a past in stand-up comedy and improv. So Yeah, it helps with uh, public speaking. You know, if you can if you can make people laugh, that's actually harder than just talking about information up on stage. So I think if you can incorporate humor, it helps to engage the audience and then yeah. get your point across. I was going to say, bit. Tim, it's a means of engagement and you succeed through public speaking as well. <laughs> uh, just once again, thank you. Thank you for taking the time. I, I know you had the responsibility of speaking today in a live setting and in a virtual setting and just really appreciate the time that you took to, to connect with Ethan and I and our audience. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Our pleasure. Thanks again to all of our listeners out there who tuned into this week's episode. And as we were discussing podcast platforms, a reminder, as always, to follow us along on Spotify, Apple Platforms, Podbean, whatever platform that you are currently listening to so that you do not miss an episode. And as always, a constant reminder to stay connected with us through our social media at LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next time, we thank you very much for listening. This is Mike Delisio, and we'll talk to you soon.